Hey, this is Perry from Tiny House Podcast. Thank you to our sponsor for this week's Tiny House Podcast episode. No more naked windows. Our friends at Blinds.com are the very best at covering any size and shape window that your tiny house can challenge them with. From insulating cell shades to UV ray blocking solar shades and more, you'll love their great prices, super selection, and friendly service. These folks know windows and, because all their products are custom made to order, you can outfit your tiny home with something uniquely you. Visit them at Blinds.com and get ready to be impressed. From the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. I want to retire in a freaking tiny house. Here we are, Tiny House Podcast, episode something or another. I'm Perry. (laughs) I'm Mark. I'm Michelle. (laughs) And today we're going to be talking about tiny house retirement. So, Perry, actually, um, I don't know that much about your connection to the tiny house community and and your retirement plans. So, um, tell me about your, like, where'd that come from? The community connection or yeah. the tiny house retirement idea? All of it. All so, of it. yeah, so my, my, um, there's something about tiny houses that just really attracted me. And when Mark and I first stumbled on them, we were actually looking at container homes first. Right. Uh, as a business model. But then when we, we went and started looking at these tiny houses, I just fell in love with them because part of, part of it is because I'm a, um, this is actually a good question because it brings me more into the conversation. <laughs> um, part, part of it is because I'm an artist and I love the artistic nature of the spaces that are created by people who build these things. I right. mean, when Mark and I went to the um, the uh, the tiny house hotel caravan, yeah. we walked inside Darren's, the, the miter box, and I just fell in love with that thing. It's so, every space, because it's small, every right. space is so beautiful and purposely thoughtfully built. Thoughtfully designed. Yeah, right. thoughtfully designed. Right. I love that. And then, um, so Mark and I just got into the, the community because we wanted to know more about it. We became passionate about it. We we'd loved the ideas. Um, we traveled a little bit to look around at tiny houses. And the more I looked, the more I wanted one. And I haven't gotten one yet because I'm not sure. Well, first of all, my current living, living situation doesn't allow me to have a tiny house. Right. Um, and then my, my partner, Bridget, will not live in a tiny house. So <laughs> we're trying to, I'm, I'm just letting that rest easy to see where that may go at some point but in the future i see myself at least owning one right. and having one in my space right. if not living in one at some point right so that's my connection to the community yeah cool. but i would love to i don't know that i'd love to retire in a tiny house what one of my dreams is to have a big piece of property somewhere as a vacation spot uh-huh. and on that piece of property have a tiny house right. as the vacation home right to kind of go to and Kind of Walden out, really, right? right? To yeah. just go out and get that Walden experience yeah. from time to time. Well, I, I mean, I think the retirement, first of all, I think the definition of retirement is a little bit different for everybody. I mean, I, um, you know, we all have different goals associated with retirement. And so you can still, quote, unquote, live in a tiny house for retirement and use it as that second home or that vacation home or, you know, whatever. Um, in my case, however, um, it'll probably end up being my primary residence mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons. So. Um, my my motivation, of course, is my <laughs> my life story sort of reads like a series of unfortunate events. <laughs> you know, like everything I do just kind of like blows up in my face. Um, 
Um, actually, no, it's not, that's not entirely true. But I have been, you know, married a couple of times. I've built a couple of houses, and I've lost them both in the carnage that was my divorce. Mm-hmm. And so here I am, um, almost fifty and forty-seven years old, and I have no more. I have no real estate. I don't own any real estate, and I don't have any retirement account. So now I'm looking at retirement, and I'm going. Right now, what? Like, I can't buy a house at this point and have it paid off by then. Um, I, there's no possible way I could save enough money in a 401k or something that would that would really heartily contribute to that. Right. So I've got to completely rethink not only my standard of living. Um, I got to completely rethink what this is all going to look like. So. Well, I think I think Americans in general need have the opportunity to completely rethink what. The definition of retirement is. I mean, I think Mark would agree with me that um, retirement is not in the cards for me because I don't have the desire to sit around right. and watch TV or go fishing all day. Right. I want to continue to do the things I do now um, because they turn they turn me on. They light my fire. And so, retirement for me, um, it isn't. It doesn't look like the traditional retirement where I've saved up a lot of money just to sit around and. And enjoy my golden years. Right. I, I want to continue to build things and create things and make things happen. People, yeah. you know, people ask me what I want to be when I grow up, and it's like I want to be a barista. Like <laughs> I, I mean, I want to have that flexibility to be able to do something that I really, really passionately love to do. But I'm no longer tied to that expensive mortgage mm-hmm. or those, you know, expensive bills. And and so to me, um, the definition of retirement just means doing what I absolutely, like you, like what I absolutely love to do mm-hmm. instead of what I have to mm-hmm. do. Um, and so deny, designing my life and my tiny house to support that activity just makes a lot of sense. So, Mark, we're going to put you on the spot. Mm-hmm. So what's your, what's your deal? Well, er, I don't know. <laughs> We're still um, figuring yeah. that out. Like every I'm still, week, we I need learn, my next cup of coffee. Every um, week we learn well, so part new. of it is to kind of play off of what you both just said. I mean, part of this is you know having been been doing startups for over twenty years now. And I told my wife twenty years ago, I'll never retire because I'm already doing what I love to do, yeah. and I do it because I love to do it, and I figure out a way to create some revenue or income <clears throat> from it. Sometimes they've been huge, com- huge. Whatever they're still all awesome, small businesses, right? but yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they put out some real decent money, and sometimes they're not so great money, but always some money. So, but but the money's secondary to I'm really enjoying the things that I do and the people I get the chance to work with. So I'll never retire, uh, or you could say I've always been retired. That's <laughs> right. I'm just right, doing yeah. what I want to do. Exactly right. right. Yeah. So right. so the tiny house thing is funny because you know Pam and I have talked about this, and in the traditional sense of the tiny house at 188 square feet average. There's just no way we can yeah. do it. Even at a 400-square-foot house, I don't think so. Right. I think Pam and I could probably do a bungalow. Right. Um, I mean, you know, we've got three sons that all, you know, eventually would might have wives and or grandkids for us. And, uh-huh. you know, it's like trying to picture what that life looks like in a tiny house with them visiting. And it's just not seeing that in a, in a traditional tiny house. Right, yeah. But a bungalow, yes, because we've right. talked about, you know, right now we live in 3,000 square feet, which we're a family of five plus a dog is about enough room. <laughs> um, <laughs> Too small some yeah, yeah. But it's like, but we look at, you know, what's under the eaves or in the garage, and it's like, oh, my God, you know, we just need to get through the stuff and get rid of a lot. We want, we are at that stage in that age where it's like, man, we need to start whittling some stuff down. Right. Yeah. And uh, so we could live in a bungalow happily, two bedrooms, bathroom, that kind of thing. I've actually had a little bit of guilt associated with this. You talk about that sort of experience of, 
And maybe it's because um, I'm estranged from my family now, but, but you talk about that experience of having a place to take your kids and go to Grandma's house and, and go hang out and have the holidays and do all that fun stuff. So I, I actually have been experiencing also a bit of guilt that, I, that my um, children re really won't have that traditional mm. going home mm -hmm. kind of feeling. We've moved a lot and, mm. you know, a lot has happened and so... Um, they won't have that with my house. They have that with their father's house, but not with mine. And so I've also talked to, about that in the tiny house community as well. And, and, uh, and I've been, you know, everybody's so encouraging. And they're like, well, you know, going home really becomes going to, to the person. Really, it's all about the yes. people. It's not about the building anyways. And so... But you're you're going to be to them. It's going to be we're going to Grandma's in her tiny house. Right. I mean, who else yeah. is going to be able to say that? That's right. True. It's its own thing. Right. Yeah. Everybody tries to kind of park it back to their childhood, and then they realize their kids will never have that experience. None of them will. Right. My grandparents had an awesome farm in Albany. My kids are never going to have that experience. That was fantastic mm -hmm. for me growing up. You know, you're going to have your grandkids are going to have a ridiculous experience. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And they have. You know, I mean, I've 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 built in space for them as well. Um, right. My tiny house isn't just about me. I have built-in space, and I have built-in, you know, um, assuming that my children or my grandchildren are going to come stay, and they have their own loft space and the ladder, and, yeah, they're going to think. I'm, I, they should, well, they'll think it's cool. And I, who knows, I may end up building another, you know, tiny house to park alongside of it for the extra bedroom or, be cool. or something like that, too. In fact, I've already actually joked about that. So my tiny house is called The Empty Nest, just because that's what it is for me. Um, I've already started thinking about and um, building another smaller one um, that I'm going to call the perch. Nice. And it'll be kind of parked nearby and, and uh, very cool. just a very, very basic bedroom, hot pot, refrigerator, you know, composting toilet idea. setup. Just a really, really compact type idea. of setup. So It's interesting that the tiny houses and retirement seem to go hand in hand in my mind with regard to where America's going these days. And Mark and I had talked about and I, we know other people are looking at the possibility of, of building these retirement communities all made up of tiny houses. And um, bless the hearts of people out there who want to use tiny houses to help the homeless. But um, I, I think there's a much better fit between um, empty nester, single people who are at retirement age and a tiny house than anything else. Well, even if they're not tiny houses on wheels, mm -hmm. um, I've been doing some advocacy um, for you know zoning and smaller houses in general um, in the in the neighborhood, the town that I live in. Um, even if not a tiny house on wheels, because it really that is kind of an extreme sort of example of what a tiny house represents. Um, mine is 196 square feet. Um, but on the other hand, mine is also a big tiny house, and I've sacrificed nothing. I have washer and a dryer and an oven for baking cookies. I mean, I've got the whole nine yards. But even if nothing as extreme as that, just the cottages, you know, the on slab, 420 square feet, um, you know, visitors sleep on the fold-out couch kind of scenario, too. Even these lovely, like these European-style cottages and villages and, and where they have the wandering paths and, and that kind of a thing. So tiny houses, even outside the T-H-O-W, the <laughs> tiny house on wheels. You know you're a real movement when you have your own acronyms. Exactly. Yeah. T-H-O-W. So even, you know, even not... Even outside of the very extreme small, um, what is D? Seven, I think D's is 78 square feet? Or? 78 or 88 square feet. Right. And she may have 
upgraded. I'm not sure. And she has she has a really really interesting story. You know, she was you know I believe at a grocery store and passed out and then woke up in the hospital and realized that she had a major heart defect. She um, you know she was given I think six months to live, and she looked around and said, "Nope, I ain't going to spend you know the rest of my life like this." sold her, you know, three-bedroom, two-bath kind of house and lived in a tiny house. And then that ended up being her permanent residence. She had downsized and sort of reworked her life to the extent that now she's still kicking, she's still ticking, and she travels, obviously. And so, um, yeah, just, just that's... To, just to interrupt real quick, Dee, as for those who are listening who are first-timers to the tiny house community, that's Dee Williams. Yes. Who is recognized as the... Founder. Um, I would call her one of the yeah one of the founders of the tiny yeah. house movement. Dee Williams, um, definitely, Jay and Jay Schaefer mm-hmm. are two of the very very. They've been around a long time. Jay Schaefer was on Oprah, I think, in two thousand seven. Oh wow! Um, Jay Schaefer and Tumbleweed Tiny Houses, his old company that he used to use, that he used to own, um, was on Oprah, and and Dee just released a memoir this week and a memoir article about the things that I've learned living in my tiny house. And she's been living in hers for 11 years. Wow. So wow. definitely those two people have a lot of great advice and a lot of um, input to the tiny house community. And But, um, you know, again, I think to mirror what you also said about, you know, all these baby boomers, they've got these, these big houses that they're kicking around in and they'd really rather go out and do something different. And there's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of options from mm-hmm. a real estate perspective. Um, small houses are worth more per square foot. They sit empty, um, you know, far less often than these big, these bigger houses. Yeah. In Sherwood in particular, when the, when the real estate crash happened in 2008 in the town where I live, there were whole neighborhoods that were 50% entry, 50% empty, excuse me, they had foreclosed. Wow. Every other mm-hmm. house was sitting empty with stickers on the door that said, you know, bank owned, we've turned off the water kind of wow. a situation. So so wow. there's a lot of real estate out there um, that really, really took a hit. And I think tiny houses are a really great way to to, uh, to retire without retiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm with you, too. Like, I don't plan on, you know, sitting on a beach somewhere with my feet up. I have another, I have another project that's sort of on the back burner right now because I don't have time. I'm too busy earning a living to do what I love. So I have a lot of projects that are on the back burner, a right. lot of opportunities and, and uh, hobbies that I want to do. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so. Yeah. I think um, a lot of what came out of 2008, that's really when the tiny house movement kind of exploded. Yeah. Is people realizing, what can I do? How can I live? Where can I live? And then the stories of, albeit maybe a little bit super hardcore, but people building tiny houses for like, eight grand or ten grand or twelve grand found materials and all this but people that opened up people's imaginations uh, to what could be possible which again is what makes the tiny house thing a journey um, and not just a destination kind of like retirement is not really a thing it's a thing if you want it to be a thing and I think with the tiny house um, movement I know there's somebody whose name unfortunately I can't remember right now but she wrote you know this ongoing blog about her tiny house journey and then about six months after she finished it, she stopped writing the blog because <laughs> she realized she didn't really have anything more to say. Yeah. It was so much about the journey. Right. And she's like, well, now I'm writing the same thing every day because I'm living my life in right. a normal way. It's like, right. that's it. I'm done with, right. with the tiny house blog anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's some really, really striking architecture, too. You know, it's not like the tiny housers have to go live in, you know, in this 
$5,000 box that's bolted to a shed because we don't have any other options. Right. Um, I think that's a somewhat of the controversy also associated with tiny house people. I think people, um, the general public that doesn't get it, um, they don't understand. I have an option. I mean, for me right now, you know, I could cram myself into a one-bedroom apartment and probably I would be okay. Um, I could probably move in with my boyfriend, which is probably an entirely different podcast subject. <laughs> that would be bookcased by therapy before and therapy after. I mean, you know, I, but I, so um, people that don't get it don't understand that, yeah. you know, they're probably, the Morrisons are a really, really fantastic example. Their house is just so, so, so beautiful. Yeah. Um, and so this is not just about living in a box, you know, bolted to a shed, because we don't have any other option. This just happens to be our life choice, and this is the option that we that we choose. Yep. And the other thing is, too, is if, if this doesn't work, that's okay, too. Like, people retire, and then they retired for four or five years, and then they suddenly figure out, oh, you know what? I don't like this, or I don't like what mm-hmm. I've done, and they go back to work. And right. That's okay. Like, mm-hmm. even if I never, ever live in my tiny house, which I can't envision that. There are some bets out there, though. Yep. I can, I can connect you with some pools out, some betting <laughs> pools out there on how long I'm going to live in my tiny house. Um, but um, they're just, just a great option for retirement. Yeah. Um, I just think that there's no downside whatsoever. They're so financially, they're just easy, easy, yeah. easy, easy. Right. Where does, where does the phrase living in a box bolted to a shed come from? What is, I never heard of that phrase. Well, that's kind of my disparaging comment. It's my own personal disparaging comment. There's, there's there are a couple of tiny house builders that are that have gotten a fair amount of press. Um, and I guess I'm being a bit of an elitist at this point. I'm going to admit I'm being a bit of an elitist. Um, there's some people that live in tiny houses. They don't have plumbing. Oh. Um, they don't have electricity. Okay. Um, you know, they don't have you know, running water. They don't have the real, real basics. Right. And so they, you know, I built a tiny house for $3,000, you know. And so that's what I'm, I'm being a bit of an I elitist um, to, to my audience. Um, and that is lovely for them, but that's not my envision of what a house or what a tiny house is. And definitely not one that I would retire in. Um, <laughs> they're great for spare bedrooms or something yeah. like that. But uh, Or fishing cottage. That's so, where the term yeah, comes yeah. from. I was that's just thinking when you were saying that, it's like, oh my God, you know who the first tiny house person was? Ted Kaczynski. Exactly. <laughs> the Una Bomber, man. And that was a super tiny house. Just a yeah. typewriter and a place to go crazy. Yeah. I was talking to someone yesterday. Um, who was I talking to yesterday, a couple days ago? Um, about in Minnesota, actually. I think it's Minnesota. Oh, mm. yes. It was Minnesota. Mm. Uh, where they do ice fishing. Right. And so they're like, hey, we've been doing tiny houses oh, right. for a long right, ass time. Right. Like, you know, we, we they get their heaters yep. and their composting toilets and they, they make up. And some of them are really pretty cool, you know, and they're on these little skids. They're mm-hmm. on skis, literally mm-hmm. houses on skis, and they push them up on the shore during the summertime. Mm-hmm. And they sleep in them, you know, when they come down to the park or whatever. And so, yeah, we were talking about that, too. Tiny houses... Um, you know, have been a solution for a long, long time for a lot of different scenarios. So, in that regard, they're really nothing new. We're just talking about the same old thing, right? Well, yeah, I mean, when you think of... I remember seeing a little article of the house that my dad lived in, and he was born in the late 20s. It's like the first house his family bought that they bought it for like 400 bucks. It was a little classified ad. And it was just like... It was a little shotgun shack. That was normal. Yeah, that That was was basic. We've now grown into the McMansions, and people are starting to look at this, realizing 
there's got to be a better way. Right. Yeah. So it's been around, like you said, forever. Yeah. My boyfriend, his his parents um, recently passed away, and he inherited some property. And, and on that property, there was a building that we affectionately referred to, and I mean affectionately uh, referred to as the Summer Shack. So the Summer Shack was built in um, 1880s, the late 1880s. Um, and during the Depression, two families lived in it. And it was about 12 feet wow. wide by about 30 feet long. Wow. Um, and two families lived in this summer shack, you know, and there was a stove in the back and, and a couple of bunk beds. and, and they, The back. Cozy yeah. on up to your sister. But anyways, we, we recently tore down the, uh, the summer shack, and I actually am using the barnwood um, the barn wood from the summer shack for the interior, some of the interior spaces nice. in my tiny house. So yeah. I'm honoring, you know, I'm honoring the movement um, that actually has been around a long time. Cool. Fantastic. All right, gang. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Tiny House Podcast. Things that we should have been saying up until now are please go to iTunes and give uh, us a big rating. Yeah. I've been, we've been forgetting that. We've been forgetting what else. Uh, make comments there. We've been uh, go at tinyhousepodcast.com you can go and see the show notes yep, I think, notes I don't know, nothing's there now so <laughs> we'll try to make the stuff for real alright guys see ya be ya Bye-bye. see ya thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast to find us online go to tinyhousepodcast.com where you will also find our show notes if we remember to put them there our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house-loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon.